0: this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live
1: welcome to teacher talk radio Today you're here with your hosts krupa and laziel for your sunday lunch they will be talking about harnessing equity diversity and inclusion with free barai. we'll include our wish we knew earlier segment followed by our sunday serenity
2: moment
1: It's the last Sunday show for the term. Um, and we're elated to be here as we usually are. Um, so Nazia, how are you this week?
3: Um, I'm good, thank you very much. Um, it's been, I think, it, yeah, so this week has was the end of term. So as you can imagine with all end of terms or end of, especially end of an, uh, an academic year, um, it tends to be quite hectic um to say the least (laughs) um but yeah i think my my focus this week and actually last week was on um working my way through my to-do list Mm -hmm. which is awful thing to do because you want to spend like the last week like really enjoying and cherishing moments and saying your goodbyes and things like that um but actually i was doing it mindfully so, interesting so I was uh I was going through my to-do list but actually what I was really doing was I was actually going through my don't-do list alongside it because I just thought they are something I always give myself this impossible task of to do's to do in the end of to do yeah at the end of every term thinking I'll get them all done over the over the holidays and then come back you know with everything done and actually that's never been the case so i was doing it quite mindfully i was doing a to do list which i thought this is achievable this is realistic in this mm-hmm. time frame um and what are my don't do's that i'm going not going to even touch because actually i don't want to put extra pressure on myself and um and then so that was really i think that was really useful experience for me because i i've got like a set set things that i've got i'm going to focus on and that's it i'm not going to stress myself and pr- put that additional pressure on myself for no reason um knowing that you know the job never ends really isn't it um and then we were wishing students well and goodbyes for the holidays and then i had some time with the staff where we were actually um we had uh a discussion about you know what's what we've achieved over the over the year and actually the question I posed to them was um, about self-limiting beliefs and how Mm, they've overcome those um, this year if there are any that they had in the beginning of the year that they've overcome and and what were they Mm. and so it's really nice to be able to be that vulnerable with your team because actually it's about um Show, showing that you know we're all human at the end of the day and you know we all regardless of what position you're in we all have um things that we're not 100 percent confident about and so it's really important that you know we give a perception of ourselves to people but actually that perception is may not be the real you so it's about it was part and parcel of that you know bringing your authentic self to the table and speaking your truth so that's something I've been focusing on quite a lot with my team, um, and then I had a not so very nice, uh, quote unquote, Karen experience. Oh dear! Um, and actually, you? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into the detail. Okay. Here. But I mean, what I will say that it was a totally unexpected in the heart of Surrey. I've had several of them there, so that was not nice, and it's such a shame, really. And it's actually quite poignant to this conversation that we're having because oh. you know. Um, we sh- we- it should surprise us mm. and shock us if these mm. experiences happen, but it wasn't unexpected. So, in my mind, am I normalizing those experiences in my head? I don't know. It was just something. Just it's um, it's How made you me feel. Worse. How did you feel with this particular experience? Completely belittled, really. Mm. Completely belittled, and it's and my 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 overriding thought, to be honest, was what's wrong, why why can't people show a bit kind a bit of kindness? Yeah, it goes a
1: long way, doesn't it?
3: Yeah.
1: It just it but also it makes you think what was going on for them to be so angry or so horrible or you know, to have that behavior. Um and then to feel like it's okay to take that out on somebody else based on who they are, what they look like, their identity, their race, their culture, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Uh, that that seems to to play an impact on triggering something for them um, and i think that's quite nice because it's exactly what we we'll talking about, talking about today mm. All Right, interesting and how are you since then i'm fine i
3: literally the, the, this and this is the shame of it as well mm. is that when you go through experiences like that you just mm. like it's like you go through it you're fuming about it at that moment you overthink it for about five ten minutes and then you just like right, wow, that's just part of my life yeah, and you just move on and that's that's such really a sh- sad that's such a shame that we think that it's okay that um, it's not worth. we don't think it's okay that we think that this is just part of our life as someone from the ethnic minority i should just like accept the fact that this is going to be a part of my life living here in in the uk that's not that's not right that's not right at all anyway
1: mm-hmm. let's move on to how your week's been um my week wow okay so for me it's been a different year this year uh for those of you know um it's been incredibly turbulent year this year it's been a year where i've almost gone through a couple of you know loss and grief sort of cycle and um working out what's going on around me why behaviors are there um i've really really unpicked some big feelings and emotions that i've been carrying and actually a lot of these things that we would be talking about today is is surfaced from poor experiences of others but it's been imposed on me it's been you know brought into my world without it being asked for and i think uh, what i've learned about myself and actually i'm going to big myself up for a second i think while i've had the turbulence i've had a lot of time to reflect and feel and i've allowed myself to feel i haven't beaten myself with that so-called quote-unquote stick of I should be better or why is this happening to me? Or, you know, uh, maybe it's me and, and all of that. It's it's you have those moments of feeling sad, you have moments of being angry and frustrated, but you, you also acknowledge that what you can control in your sphere, you control, and what you can't control, you have to find ways to rationalize that in your brain. Um, and that's where I'm at now. So I'm neither saying it's right or wrong, I'm not saying it's outrageous or, you know, being really quite hard on that. But what I'm saying is I need to harness what I can control and I need to hold on to the power that I have. And I need to propel forward with that. Um, And actually, that means losing people along the way. That means um being able to to be really rigorous in my approach and what i want and that thought process around that Um, but i've had several coaching sessions this week so my my week has been pretty filled with some coaching and and speaking to to other agencies about about um equity and and diversity and something that seems to be ringing true in particular with the coaching sessions or of teachers in particular is that they're all flat out and it made me question every year and at the end of every term never have I ever met a a teacher that that feels that they are like really sad to be (laughs) to be going on holiday or like it feels like it's this it feels like a bigger leap into something you know like I just can't wait for this this term to go and I think gosh you're wishing your life away you know and you think year upon year term upon term we all know you're going to have this major like high because you know you're going but then the dip comes back when you go back again or something and I think this has been going on for years and years and years and years, and yet we still enable this. Something is really wrong with how we're managing our energy, how we're managing our time um, and the expectations. And I'm not saying that's that's teachers, it's, it's the overarching policies and so on and so forth and the expectations of teachers and practitioners having to be everything and everyone in their role. But um, it's interesting how everyone has that dip and they're really looking forward to the holiday, but it comes with a whole list of to-dos it's not a real holiday it's like it's almost like oh yes i get to catch up with all the things i didn't get to, f- to finish during the term like have you lost your mind you've been working how many hours a week um and so actually having to coach uh, teachers around let's t- let's just take a step back and have a look at what you've achieved this year and actually let's use this time for reflection they're like yeah i actually feel like i've earned my holiday and many of them did feel that way isn't that fascinating
3: that's, uh, that is that's actually great that you're, you're able to do that and provide some and support that perspective taking really. Um, So what we are going to do is we're going to actually move into the news and then we are going to move straight into our conversation with Priya. It's an exciting, it's actually a really good one. I think really insightful, really thoughtful. And I think as hosts of the show, we really show our and present our vulnerabilities. And I think that it's really important that we do that because you know, we may be a voice at the at the other end of your phone. or But but we do come with our own lived experiences. And, you know, when we share these things with you, we don't share them because we want to anyone to feel sorry for us or anything like that. We share them because actually, we're all human at the end of the day. And it's really important that we are able to bring something real of ourselves to Mm. the table. And I think that that's what all of our conversations have been about haven't they you know that we bringing some we bring something to the table that we feel we feel is important and real uh, and authentic to what we are like and uh, um as practitioners and as human beings so without further ado we'll move straight to the news and then uh we'll speak to you straight after with um our wonderful guest priya keep listening
4: It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying.
0: This is Teacher's Talk Radio and this is Teacher's Talk Radio News.
5: It's the summer holidays for almost everyone, but apologies for those not quite finished yet. And the topic of money is not far from the thoughts of many. But Schools Week looks back at the year and reports that nearly two-thirds of schools increased the cost of pupil meals this year and a large majority of schools have had to make cuts in other areas. The findings are taken from regular government surveys of school leaders and teachers, and results show that over one quarter of schools say support with energy bills made no real difference to financial positions. The pressure of the cost of living crisis affected schools in several key ways. These included a rise in the cost of pupil lunches, which had to be passed on to many parents, Some schools also reported a decline in meal quality, as providers attempted to reduce costs. Cuts to support staff and, in some cases, teaching staff. And schools struggled to comply with new statutory guidance on uniform, with many schools opting to introduce a second-hand uniform scheme to support parents. Recruitment pressures led to schools appointing non-specialist teachers for subjects such as history and technology, with many schools seeing this increased workload and stress. Send pressures also increased, with 87% of those surveyed, citing lack of funds and access to specialist services as the key issue. The same publication also featured a story on exam fees, as AQA, England's largest exam board, announced increases for some of its most popular GCSE and A-level subjects, by as much as 16.5%. The changes will affect the 2024 series. The article features details of increases made by Edexcel and OCR2. Geoff Barton, General Secretary of the ASCAL Union, responded by saying that this latest price hike will only serve to stretch budgets even further. Exam boards are obliged to notify Ofqual of any proposed fee increases. Ofqual monitors pricing for qualifications from the not-for-profit exam boards. The Guardian covered the nomination of Sir Martin Oliver as Ofsted's next Chief Inspector by Education Secretary Gillian Keegan. A pre-appointment hearing will take place in the autumn, but Ms. Keegan said Sir Martin had demonstrated exemplary leadership and praised his work in areas of disadvantage as the Chief Executive of Outwood Grange Academies Trust. Sir Martin said he was hugely privileged to be nominated and that he would work closely with the whole sector to create the best systems in all areas. His proportion comes in spite of criticism, including from Ofsted inspectors, of his trust's record on pupil suspensions and exclusions. The article goes on to highlight the issues Sir Martin may find lurking in his entry if he is confirmed for a January 2024 start. These include the outcome of the inquest into the death of Ruth Perry and the calls for a full-scale review of the inspectorate including the scrapping of single word judgments the inspection of children's services at a time when there is a high turnover of social workers and an over-reliance on agency workers who are having to deal with heavy caseloads he will also have to deal with media and political pressures in a role which could see him regularly in the spotlight finally the bbc reports that the government will break its own deadline to provide schools in england with guidance on policies for transgender pupils The guidance has been promised before the summer break but is delayed because the Attorney General for England and Wales has advised parts of the guidance may be unlawful. The guidance was expected to address what schools should do if a child wanted to change their name or use different pronouns and whether to involve parents. Ministers were considering advising against allowing social transitioning in schools after a 2020 report found that it was not a neutral act. And more information was needed about its outcomes. The Attorney General, however, has said that an outright ban would be unlawful. Ministers now have to decide what to do next, compile lawful guidance, or contemplate changing the law altogether. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
0: This is Two Minute Tech
6: with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to talk about a couple of shortcuts and hacks that can make life a little easier. This may not be as innovative as some of my past life hacks for teachers, like drinking noodles, but here are a couple of things that may make a difference to your use of media in the classroom. First up, if you aren't already riding it, get on the Wakelet Wave. Wakelet is a free way to save, organise and share content. Create collections of web pages, videos and basically anything with a web address under one topic. Once done, you have a shareable link to your collection. Use it to organise your lesson, flip a lesson or create revision collections just to throw a few ideas This next hack is one of my favourites. I love using YouTube to support learning. Not only can it help keep pace in a lesson, but also it's a great reference afterwards for pupils to refer to. My biggest gripe with it though is that pesky advert you can't skip that always decides to play when you're in full flow. Here's a secret that works nearly all of the time. When preparing your lesson, you will have watched the clip anyway to ensure it's appropriate. So just before you copy the link into your presentation or wakelet, type this on the end, and t equals one. That's the ampersand or the wiggly and, lowercase t equals and the number one. Now copy the URL with and t equals one on the end and your clip will start one second in. Not missing any content, but skipping the adverts at the start. No need to thank me, show your gratitude with a follow and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing
0: on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everyone, Um, and hello to Priya. Welcome today. How are you?
2: Well, thank you, and thank you for having me.
1: Absolute pleasure. So let's get started. Um, Priya, I know that you are full of tricks and wonderful, wonderful knowledge and experience. (laughs) Um, So please talk us through and tell our listeners who you are and what you're about, uh, but also about your career.
2: Great. Gosh, where do I start? Um, I guess if I start now. um, So I am a teacher of geography and I am also a DEI lead at my school. Um, And I also do a lot of DEI work outside of school as well. So um, I work with a number of schools around uh, the county where I'm at, Surrey. Um, I work with Surrey County Council, I work with trusts as well and, um, and also industry outside of education so you know um, the NHS and finance and things like that so my my focus and career sort of now is is well I'm in, ed- in education but with a DEI um, focus really. What do you teach Priya? I do. I teach. I teach geography. So I'm a a teacher of geography um, and I've always done that. Well, actually, no, I haven't always done that. I wasn't always a teacher. Um, I suppose if I go right back, I did. I did. um, I studied geography at university um, and I really love geography. I love human geography. I still do. Um, And I left university and much like a lot of graduates, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to use my degree. So um, I ended up in the environmental sector and then i eventually ended up doing what a lot of graduates do which has ended up in consultancy somehow um and so i was i found myself you know training towards becoming a chartered accountant on a grad scheme and um and i just found i wasn't loving it I, i i got to a point where i thought actually this is this just isn't for me it isn't for everybody you know some people love it i just didn't and i was fortunate to be surrounded by people who love their jobs. You know, I grew up with my dad who loved his job. People around me to make me feel like I wanted to do a job he loved, that I was really proud of. So um, I took a career break and took a bit of a chance, which again, I was, you know, I was in in a fortunate position that I could do that and I was supported to do that. And I went into teaching. I did a PGCE in education. and in geography teaching and I haven't haven't looked back since. I've been a, I, I did that, gosh, and I graduated in twenty twelve. Um I became a teacher. So yeah, I've been doing that. I've been been a geography teacher since. So Wow.
3: Yeah, that is, that is really interesting. So so you're a geography teacher, so what hooked you
2: into the work of DEI? It started in 2020 i think for a lot of people and i was one of them you know 2020 was really pivotal in that um it really you know it just it it kind of motivated me to find out what what was what was happening in my school in terms of um inclusion diversity equity and so it, it 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 kind of brought it forward then i really it had impacted me certainly before 2020 but i didn't really and it's certainly not in my profession until after that and um and I think I was hooked quite easily into it because I was so passionate about it I really I when I'm asked this I, I actually often think back to my own childhood and the school I went to I went to a um an independent girls school in Croydon the heart of Croydon and um, and that really really shaped me my parents were your typical um immigrant parents who worked really hard and invested everything they had to, to give me and my sister a good education. You know, for them, that was the investment. And I could not be more grateful. The school I went to was amazing. You know, it, it really, really shaped me. I, I I consider myself to be deeply rooted in activism. I am really passionate about using my life to work towards achieving social justice. And I I put that down to a lot of that to the school i went to and you know their their ethos um it's just ingrained in me and, and all the you know the friends i have from that school but it also normalized diversity for me from a really really early age um as i say the school was in the heart of croydon and the majority of the school were the global majority which now you know working in schools I, I i work at i can see what um how rare that that was and and how important that was you know i had i had that diversity that rich diversity um right through my most crucial and formative years so really important i also ended up going to a really um to very international universities which again looking back i'm very grateful for and Mm -hmm. i stayed in london of course i worked and i ended up in finance um and this is really important because i think had i not experienced this education and this career in such a diverse landscape where for me, you know, if someone had asked me what my main disadvantage was, I would say, I would have said being a woman, um, not that I would never experienced racism, but that for me was the main disadvantage. And perhaps if I had not experienced all of that, I would not have appreciated just how contrasting the experiences of ethnic minorities in education and in their careers, how contrasting that is in deep Surrey. Mm.
3: So the work of the DEI um lead was uh was created in tandem with your geography role so is was it an extension to your role or
2: yes yes it was yeah definitely i i mean i I, you know i 2020 september i i um i approached my head of department initially and i said what are we doing to diversify our curriculum um which i think a lot of teachers were doing you know off the back of you know blm and what was going on globally um and he got back to me and very quickly i was sort of um push through to to the head um and i was very fortunate because of my um you know my head mistress, she's very very um she was really championing this she really wanted to do more as well so we were both on the same page and we had a conversation about it and my work really stemmed from that but actually i mean there was there was stuff that i was doing within geography and i still do within geography curriculum based um and and so on but Really, right from the beginning, because of that conversation I had with her, it was more about school wide, you know, um, students and staff, and and yes, it was so so quite separate to my role as a geography teacher.
1: Um, can I hop in on that? I just think, you know, it's been it's so refreshing to hear how different your journey has been, um, and how you've used your your own experiences to be able to navigate where you're going to next and, and be able to use that successfully and that's there's a really important skill set. Um, but those skill sets are not for everyone and they don't they don't have the same exposure. Um, so I'm just thinking thinking about a teacher who wants to to go down this route and it's really important because it's clear there's there's some work that needs to be done around DEI. Do you or have you heard of other sort of colleagues that have not been able to approach their leadership team to say that they're, this there there is work that needs to be done and there needs to be a di sort of lead in there? Like, have they had any sort of challenges around that?
2: I think the whole di um, you know role and work has is very it can be very very challenging, and I, I've certainly experienced difficulties. And it also, you know, depends very much on the nature of where you are in your career. Right? I think um, I, I've found a voice now, and and I and I, I can utilize my voice. I feel like I have a seat at the table, but I've not always had that. And you know, certainly in early careers, teaching, for example, I think it would be um, it would be almost realistic to know that you're going to experience difficulties and challenges, but unrealistic to think that you have that. That confidence and that voice, which is a sad thing, but I think you know, looking back at my experience, and my journey in, in teaching, the I, I did, you know, I, I was experiencing racism before 2020. Of course, I was, um, and you know, I can I can reel off the microaggressions that I, I experienced, and um, you know, they were really really difficult. And I, and I think probably at the time, I was um, I was just not really. Thinking about them too much or passing them off as well—it's just the way it is. Um, You know, which, which again, we're sort of trained to to, to do, and I'm doing less of. I'm much more consciously aware of it. But you know, I, I I do, I do have a voice now, and that's come with experience, but also security in my position. Um, However, that comes with different difficulties and challenges because I think you know, I remember when I my role was formalized and um, and I still had to you know, be interviewed and in the interview I was asked what challenges I would fi- I would face I, I think I would face in this position and it was actually a really easy question I'd already really thought about it you know I knew that in my school I have um, I've helped facilitate conversations with both staff and students and I I know that my perceived racial heritage has definitely helped with this but I also know that listening to these experiences is is they're really, really triggering. It reminds me of my own experiences. It reminds me of, you know, the prejudice world that my sons will will face and have already started facing. It's really hard. It's hard listening to the things that children and adults in Surrey are still having to experience on the basis of their skin color alone. And that's a different challenge completely. And then another challenge I knew I would face was that, you know, it sounds really strange, but I, I knew the microaggressions I faced would worsen because whenever you put yourself forward as a really active campaigner against everything, um, you, you're you're placed in prime position to have to refute all those arguments. So refuting the you know the idea that racism even exists or is a problem worth addressing. And you know I have had to have those tricky conversations, um, and sometimes they're just rants, you know, directed at me, but they all usually reflect this this mix of misinformation and you know moral panic narratives um and that's that's something you learn to navigate as well but it's you know i they're just different challenges and um and the challenges have i guess evolved from early years teaching to you know the role i've put myself forward in now
3: Mm. it's so interesting that you talk about how you know the about your voice and and the challenges that you knew you were most likely to continue to face because you're raising it as an issue you're you're kind of becoming an advocate in a way isn't it yeah and 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 the thing is is that our experience generally i think especially as class teachers and i very specifically remember something that happened to me when i was an nqt is that you kind of get disheartened when it's not dealt with properly and then you quieten Mm. your voice and you think it's not going to be dealt with anyway. So what's the point of me even raising it or picking it up or, you know, um, yeah. even remembering it? There's no point. And I remember a very specific occasion in in as as an NQT, um, some of the students I was talking to them. They were misbehaving. This was during duty time, and I went and spoke to them, and they were like, ah, 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 and they put their hands to their ears, and they were like, oh, um, I don't understand what you're saying, Miss, as though uh-huh. I was speaking another language, and then. I felt really upset by that. So I went to the deputy at that time and I said, it was this, this, this student that said this to me. I was only an NQT. So I was very inexperienced uh, Mm -hmm. in dealing with behaviours as well. You know, I was still in my journey there. And the deputy head says to me, oh, uh, well, you know, his parents are a bit racist, don't you? And that's just the way he's been brought up. (sighs) And it was like, literally, so what are you going to do about it? well, there's not much we can do about it because he's grown up in that environment and that was it. After Mm. that, I was like, okay, well, from my perspective, why should I ever even raise it again? Because it just means nothing.
1: My experience
3: means nothing. My uncomfortableness means nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That really resonates. And I think, you know, I think as a minority member of staff, we Even as you said it, I I just, I could think of the same situations and it's so, so difficult, Um, really disheartening. And I think we have to, it comes with a lot of, um, you know, you have to, it it can be emotionally draining. You need to, you know, kind of have, um, I I, I find I have, um, having mentors really helps me, but you need allies just to kind of get, you know, get you when you're feeling that lowness of actually, what is the point? you you need that support system because my goodness if you didn't then it can be quite um mm-hmm. demotivating
3: yeah and especially as an nqt you don't know how to deal with you mm. you're very you know you're not you're not up to date with uh you leave you i mean you might read the, uh, read the policies and procedures but sometimes you just don't know your way around certain things and how to have certain yeah. conversations your confidence levels are as high as other people's who are more experienced and you know if you're if the deputy is not even making a big issue out of it why should you even mention it to your NQT mentor there's no point
2: absolutely and I think you know I, I I found my voice later on I think a lot of us do but you know I think and that came with security and position but it also came with actually a stronger understanding of my rights as a teacher as an employee um and you know knowing how to wield my rights in a diplomatic way is really powerful so you know and and that's working with the school you know i mean what school want to be working have you on board helping them with that so i think you know knowing that you are entitled to feel safe at work and not discriminated against is is really really important and that is powerful as well but also knowing who your allies are in school not um, if only just to kind of share that emotional burden with them and feel there is someone who connects with you, who understands you in a safe space, in that environment is so, so important and and can help you with that, um, you know, gain that, that, that voice. And with that, you think every
1: time, only because my daughters have gone through it recently. And I think actually my parents went through it, I went through it, and I was, I was so sure that I was going to break that generational, you know, uh, madness. I was so sure of it. And this is why we do what we do. And so, and then my daughter comes home. And in fact, before my daughter comes home, I get a, a phone call from school that tells me something a little bit different. And then what I hear from her is something a little bit different. I think actually there are bigger issues here. And and that actually the statement of what happened was, was an education point. It really was because they are, I mean, my daughter's nine, just for context, that that's a point that, that that peer needed to have the conversation, needed to understand why that language was offensive, why she had that reaction and so on and so forth. And actually it's a really important point to to share with groups and to, to really bring that sense of we're in this together, we're young people, we're learning. But what happened was she was, it was a punitive sort of approach to happen with that, that, that child. So I was, I felt stuck between a hard place and a rock. So I'm thinking actually this this young person has said something, doesn't really understand what they've said because they've heard it somewhere, wherever it may be, perhaps educate. They need, we need to yeah. bring these conversations and use this as opportunities to educate. We know terrible things have happened, but actually now my child is left feeling like, oh, she's too dark. Mm-hmm. This is 2023. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we have to see these things as like, what what's up for me anyway, as uh, with my, if a, a, my leadership had I'm thinking, right, okay, what was going on for the staff and why was it managed in the way that it was managed? What lack of information or structure or script did they have or not have? Because that's probably that's where the decision has come from. What's going on for that young person? What are they exposed to? Do I need to be changing my curriculum? Do I need to be thinking about educating young people? Because when they leave school, what would happen if they made such statements? But also, where does that leave my, my as a mum, where does that leave my, my daughter? Yeah. She's like, on to that and shed no control over it
2: mm.
1: um, so it's thinking about the perspectives of, of everything but anyway with that i do think i mean i had a really fruitful conversation with the school and we talked about scripts and language and how to sort of really think about embedding that within school and and hopefully that moves into some form of direction but i think this brings us nicely into sort of understanding your thoughts around are we getting better i'm not going to say about the point pointer but are we getting better having these discussions with young people first and are we getting better at sharing this with staff too, Bria? What's your thoughts?
2: I think we are. I think we've done a lot of listening since um, definitely since 2020. The knee jerk reaction was to, um, well, first of all, there wasn't, there was a lot of like, you know, alumni sending letters to their schools and about their experiences. There was a lot of listening. There was a a sort of a a slightly later knee jerk reaction of big audits, reporting and lots of surveys and, um, you know, facilitating uh, affinity group, Meetings, and we and we did that really, really early on at our school. We did well. I led affinity group meetings with our, our students, I um, in the lower years and um, right through to upper, and it was it was great. You know, it, it was really, really um, powerful in terms of you know enabling them to be heard about their experiencing experiences understanding that actually these experiences are consistent and and also realizing we can very quickly move we can really adjust our behavioral policies to directly relate to the the behaviors they are describing and we did that there was a lot of you know quick okay we can do this we can do this and then there was um you know longer term things which was education which was exactly what you, you you've just covered and it, education is key it's it's so important you know and and young people they they who, who say things yes they might be around um influence or they may have heard things and they say things and they may have a lack of understanding of the impact but they want to learn and they want to have the safe space to ask questions and if you provide that for them and get them to really understand to empathize to have to, to you know th- the impact that they're having with their choice of words or making fun of accents or derogatory jokes then i think you know first of all you've lost the argument of uh, further down the line that they did ignorance that you can you can't say that because you did the educational piece and it exactly. was robust enough um to to call back on uh, and secondly they they do understand why it's wrong and you know um so so I think we've, we've done a lot of listening and it has been really, really good. Um, I I think we should be aware of the fact that we are at a point now where also we've done so much listening and for the first time we've had people who would never have come forward and said and spoken of their experiences having done so. Um, And we've come to a really important juncture in my mind where it's, it's, it sort of there's a little bit more of a case of what now, you know, things are still happening, bigger things, bigger picture things. So, um, and 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 I think it's 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 tricky because schools often tend to react to whatever's trending. And I I know I've seen a focal shift away from racism, um, and you know the the the, the focus being on um, more so on sexism and misogyny, um, you know, a reflection of of you know. Um, Figures in in um, social network media and stuff like this, but it's I think it's really unhelpful because of what happens is I think facets of intersectionality end up being pitted against each other for attention, and you know as as much as schools find it easier to focus on something, especially something that actually the majority can understand and empathise with a lot more easily, um, is problematic because you know in the wake of all these audits and students and parents and staff coming forward with their lived experiences we you know we there's a there's a sort of a waste of a case of what's what's the response and actually are these things still happening so um i think it yes it's important to listen but i think actually this that that needs to be action to reflect that as well all about Thank- action
3: yeah so this has been a fascinating and emotive conversation today and i think there's so much more that we could really unpick moving forward. So, we'll um, enjoy the break and we'll speak to
4: you after this. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back. We have had an exhilarating start to our show. um, uh, And I won't stop saying thank you, Priya, for being just really honest and sharing things as they they are. But also, um, Nazia as well, you know, with being incredibly vulnerable in this conversation as well, I think we've all got a lot to offer here. um, But that the idea of moving forward and and action is already coming really clearly through. So... Nazia, the next question, let's
3: run with this. Yeah. So I've got a, a bit of an off the cuff question um, and this is based on an article that I read just not too long ago. So I think it was an article on LinkedIn uh, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember who wrote the article, but the, in essence, the article was about how DEI needs to move away from conversations about quote unquote whiteness. Okay. So what are your thoughts on
2: that? Um, I guess there's so much you can read in that because you know I, I'm now thinking about the conversations that are to do with whiteness and that I guess there are two aspects and that's to do with um, I guess you know things like uh, the response and and trying to um, kind of make sure everybody's on board as 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 you want you know you want everybody to engage and I think it's something that I can't um shy away from certainly not in you know the schools i'm at and and navigating a path where i have to a lot of the times prioritize you know the comfort of the majority um is 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 critical actually however i do i do get that and I, i do get that the focus can't completely be on that because you know it's sort of if actually that's everything i'm thinking about the comfort of the majority then who's at you know what cost and actually um you know, turning that around, if I think about the, the minority or the global majority, it it there's there's real importance in recognizing the power of representation. You know, representation is, is so, so, so important. It's it's the easiest way to break down barriers, fears, myths conceptions ideas of what difference looks like all those things um and so to focus on that and to you know um enrich our landscapes in terms of diversity is so powerful so i can see why that is that is important um i think you need both but um it, it is it is really really important and um just thinking of an example where so so I'm, a, I'm a, as you know, I'm a geography teacher and um, and what I found is actually there aren't many ethnic minority geography teachers, which is really strange to me because, you know, the subject itself is so worldly. Um, but anyway, that, that's quite, that's quite a, um, that's my reality. And in my day-to-day role, I'm really conscious that. I also have what you might consider an element of white passing. And by this, I mean, you know, the way I speak, the way I dress, I visually, I assimilate into my work environment um, you know, to an extent. I'm still aware that I look the way I do, but, you know, it is it is certainly gives me a layer of privilege, which I'm very, I'm very conscious about. Um, However, this year, this, this academic year, I organized our school's first ever Celebration of Cultures Day. It was a really great success. Um, and for the day, students and staff, we were allowed to wear our what cultural attire. We were allowed to wear it to school. Um, so I decided to wear an Indian langer all day. Um, and it was still a normal teaching day by and large. So I, I taught some lessons in my Lenga. um And this for me was, these were the parts of the day that were the most powerful, that had the most profound impact on students. Because, because when I walked into, My classrooms, my students just stared, stared at me. I looked very different and I looked Indian. I looked more Indian than I'd ever looked ever before. I looked very, very other, but I very quickly took the register and then I carried on talking about things like flooding and strategies to manage flooding. And, you know, I could, I could almost hear their preconceived ideas of what someone who looks like me and dresses like me should sound like. I could just hear it shatter. In, a, in what was what felt like such an easy moment in school, and that for me was really, really, really powerful. And so, um, I think you know, representation focusing on the, the richness of diversity that exists, um, is really important.
3: So, what have you so let's follow that train of thought. What have you actually witnessed and observed in schools, um, and um, what should schools trusts be doing more of do you think?
2: Um, So in line with that we've seen a lot of schools actually put into their DEI agenda that they want to diversify their staff body. A lot of a lot of schools have started doing this and, or you know, been trying to do this um, especially at senior senior leadership level and in their governing bodies, you know, they recognize that representation is really, really important. Um, we also know that there's a big recruitment and retention crisis right now and across the whole education sector it's really problematic. So of course that impacts diversity more so actually. Um, so what I would like schools and also see schools and trusts do um, to answer your question is to not only focus on how to recruit more ethnic minority teachers and, and, and increase their diversity, but also really consider what they're doing to retain their staff. And by this, I mean what they're doing to make their school environment a safe and happy place for all their teachers to work in, because that's what's going to, you know that's what's going to keep your teachers there and it's it's completely self-fulfilling because if you have lots of you know um all your ethnic minority teachers who are there staying then that's going to attract others who are going to think actually this, i see this as a school where other teachers who are like me are are happy they seem to be enjoying their career they seem to be making career progression that's not hindered by things like race and actually maybe this is a good place for me too and all of a sudden you've got you've got both those things happening in tandem so I think I would love to see schools really kind of as much as they've got that on their you know increased diversity also really carefully consider what they're doing to make their school environments a safer place. I think there is people that are
1: that are and there are enough people that are that have trained to become teachers. So they are trained and they are ready to be recruited. So I think there's a different angle that we need to be thinking about this. Um, so if we look at, there's some data that I read recently where, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've gone through this myself where I, one head I was asked, well, where, where are all the brown teachers or where are all the, the, the black teachers? And I'm like,
2: good question. Yeah, exactly. But they, they're there,
1: they are there. Yeah. What's happened is they go through particular processes through the teaching um, PGCs or Teach First or whatever the the programs may be, and something happens along the way. So mm-hmm. there is data that shows that those that may be late for a few minutes, for example, and if you are of, of a particular ethnic colour or background, you won't be passed to, to continue. Mm-hmm. So therefore, can you see the question isn't yeah. isn't let's, let's recruit them? The question is actually what's happening with the with with making teaching attractive, making it work for the, those people that are from different ethnic ma- uh, backgrounds yeah. and what they, what they need to just do to be successful but yeah. also making sure that, that they are also being respected in that regard so they are you know handing in assignments, they're doing all the rest of things but actually are they being treated fairly to continue their journey in that order or do we lose them at that point and it's it's very interesting when you read that data and you think wow oh god I've been thinking the wrong thing from mm-hmm. my Time and actually they're there and they want to be there and they and they will be amazing and we will continue doing what we're doing. However, there are a particular barriers that doesn't enable them to go further than 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 passing their their, um, their ECTS and PGCEs and QTS, all those wonderful things that that are on offer. So I yeah. think we need to go further back and think about how how do we engage them and keep them on the program because that will have a bigger a bigger impact. Um, that's something for us to think about anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, um, right, so what's next for you and the work that you're planning to do?
2: Gosh, <laughs> big question. Um, I guess, you know, as well as working at my school, I, I do a lot of freelance work. So I work with schools, trusts, the council, like I said, and, and, and industry outside. And um, I'm also a governor of a school, which I'm finding hugely interesting. Um, and I guess all that work, all this work that I've been doing has really snowballed since um, since I started having these informal conversations with a few people in my school back in 2020. Um, and I love the work I do. I really, I do think I've seen progress and change and I'm really, really hopeful and I want to continue being a big part of it uh, or a part of it, I should say. Um, and I see schools increasingly diversifying their senior leadership teams as they should be. And um, this is really coinciding with the emergence of wellbeing roles at senior level. The DEI work in schools is growing, and I can't see it ever becoming less important. So there is, you know, a pressing need for more time and responsibility to be given to it. Um, A CEO um, last year, a CEO of a trust once said to me, um, safeguarding wasn't too long ago, just an admin add on to the job, teaching job, whereas now, it's absolutely critical. It's the be all and end all. And he said that's where he sees DEI going. And, and I completely agree with him. You know, and part of my DEI work means I'm also quite naturally involved with things like the PSHE curriculum, which I think is, is really, really important too, as I outlined in one of my recent LinkedIn posts. Um, so for me, a well-being role that covers all these aspects of growing DEI, um, as well as things like. P.S.H.E. curriculum at senior leadership level is an absolute no-brainer and something that you know I would love to be a part of.
3: It's interesting that you're talking about um, the the leadership team um, and you know the work that needs to happen in engaging the senior leaders and executive teams. Do you ever see yourself moving into that kind of those kind of senior roles, even as a head teacher? And my question, added question, extended question is. If you were a head teacher of a senior leader, like executive leadership team, how would you want to develop your SLT?
2: Oh, that is a that's a big question. Um, It's tricky, isn't it? Because as you were, as we were talking earlier about, you know, minority staff and what is what inhibits us most. And sometimes I think it's, you know, certainly for me, I think I. I'm my worst sort of barrier. And um, in terms of things like, which I know a lot of people face, but things like imposter syndrome and 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 not feeling I have enough expertise. But I was, the more and more I do this, the more and more I think, actually, I would love to be, I would love to have a seat at the table. And increasingly, actually, I do have a seat at the table at steering group level. and um, And I really enjoy being able to, shape the course of actions and and see change so I would you know I think I would always have a bit of self-doubt as would I think any good leader but I think I would also relish the opportunity to be a a big you know a a part of that change and, and really bring um what I think is really really important my life experience and you know my my why i'm so personally um invested in this area and um and it it is important to have that um that shaping you know guidance and actions i don't know whether that was answering your question i think i was partly trying to avoid your question because i don't i don't know (laughs)
3: but um yeah maybe if the question you should think about if you you know for the future is like what would you if you had an ideal scenario like it's one of those kind of wife questions isn't it and I, you know, within my SLT, I know that diversity for me is a, is, a, and representation is really, really important. So oh, it's absolutely, key. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those questions. I think a lot of head teachers and a lot of, especially, I think it came up in the Festival of Education. You know, there were some senior leaders, um, in in the audience when we were talking, and there was, uh, they, they were saying, well, you know, what can we do? What should we do? What more? What more can we do about it? So it's really important that there's that thought, at least some thinking happening and reflection happening on it as a bare minimum, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. That's a really brilliant position, Brian, because being on those steering groups, you're already surrounded by people that are willing and wanting to listen. And that's generally, that's probably the biggest and the hardest hurdle is to have a group of people in the same room at the same time that are willing and ready to hear would they take it on is a different part of the process but to be in the same place at the same time so that's a really powerful position to to be able to relay the realities of what you're hearing from the student voice that you've just shared with us uh the realities of what your staff share with you based on the cohort that that you're around um and also bringing that that authentic experience from 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 yourself and, and your own upbringing and your parents um stories and so on and so forth so i think you know it's you know, it's a good start, and I think that's really that's really necessary. We need to find a starting point, and you're there, which is much further along than many others at this point in time. Um, and so it's just to continue doing that and and keep being being like you say, having that seat at that table. Um, so so kudos because that's you're doing it for, yeah. for many schools, and you're doing it for you know it starts with one borough or one school, one school, one borough, and and it grows yeah. and grows and grows. And so although you may at moments feel that there's impossible do I know enough and there's other you know experiences and all the rest of it I don't think you'll ever get a consistent answer but that's the beauty of it it's not meant to be consistent it's meant to be heard it's meant to be felt it's meant to be understood um and and so you're in a really good position but with that thinking about uh, you made mention of having a mentor and so on and so forth do you have a mentor that supports you because you're doing lots of work that is you know triggering as you mentioned before yeah you know, um
2: yeah yeah absolutely i do and i i i think you know having a mentor or mentors is really really important it is you know emotionally exhausting Mm -hmm. at times so to have somebody who's not just an ally but who can really give themselves to you by way of guidance and support is um is really important it has been important to me my mentors are both within the education sector but also in wider industry which again i think is really helpful so i have um you know one of my mentors is an edi governor another is a lawyer another is an engineer and they really root for me they support me they ground me they give me solid advice all the time um and so to have that soundboard has been really important um and i think there have been you know i can think of so many instances where the work we do there are moments there are moments of pure joy and you know, happiness and, and satisfaction of course, but then there are also moments where it's just really hard and you are it can be really crushing and you know you're just you feel at a complete loss. And at those moments in particular is when we lift each other, we need each other to lift each other. So I think it's really, really um, it's it's a powerful thing to have a mentor. And it's really actually quite critical, I think, especially in you know for somebody in an EDI role who's who's living it as well as, you know, doing it as their job. It's, it's um, you can't just switch off as easily at times. Mm.
3: So, we are coming to the end of our interview, Priya. It's so sad that we are, because we've got so much more we could talk to you about.
6: And we wish to invite you back yeah. for
3: part two, to be honest. it's um, So, uh, my our last question to you, uh, can you share any tips or insights for anyone who's interested in learning more
2: about DEI? Um, I think my main, main tip is reading. I gained so much from reading just, you know, um, and I have, uh, if I, if I had more time, that's, that's the, that's the first thing I would do. I would love to just read more, but just to kind of name a few to get you started. So superior by Angela, Angela Saini is, is an amazing, amazing book, um, ish. The, the Issues of Brackets by Apple Hirsch is fantastic. Um, White Tears, Brown Scars, again another excellent book to kind of get you started, especially on the sort of the in terms of the intersectionality aspect of um, you know um, sexism and race as well. Really powerful. Um, bringing up race, lots of lots of different race books, and and um, I. Yeah, I, I definitely think reading is a great, great starting point because you know, so many people have tread this path before us actually. We think we, we it doesn't feel like that at times, but actually so many people have, and to, to know what they learned and, and what they did and what worked for them is so um is so important and, and and so it just um it bolsters your own um you know understanding of how to deal with things. Um, I think LinkedIn has been really, really powerful for me as well. I actually only joined LinkedIn. Well, I had a LinkedIn account actually back when I was a trainee accountant, and then it was in hibernation mode, shall we say, until I started my DEI work. And um, and somebody said to me, um, you know, you should you should really use LinkedIn. And um, and so I kind of hopped back on it many years later to see I was still on there as an ACCA grad scheme you know with a very very (laughs) out-of-date photo and I I spent some time um, updating it all but my goodness it's fantastic because networking is so important and again for that same reason finding people who are doing the same work as you seeing, you know, listening to them, learning from them, sharing your experiences, the challenges that you have faced and what you have learned. And, um, it's just really, really powerful. It's, um, I think that's, that's a great tool as well. So those two things really to, as your first starter pack, um, um, guide from me, I would say. Uh, Krupa, any, any final thoughts from you? Yeah,
1: I really want to know. I just want to come back to the teaching part of it again because yeah, I, that's it's. I love that you have this dual role, and it like it's not a common role yet, but it's it's nice that it's happening, and you've shared that it, how it can work successfully. But you know, ultimately, you are a practitioner, and you are supporting the young people at the heart first. And so, what what's the most exciting thing about teaching, and what gets you up in the morning, and uh, yeah, just gets you really going and working for for these young people.
2: Um I think you almost said it in your question because the, you know, is is working with young people who are so much more, I mean, they are so much more engaged, aren't they actually? And, um, with everything. And they're just so much more ready to be allies for causes that don't directly impact them. And it gives me so much hope. I, I work with staff and young people who are, who feel very, very passionately about bringing real change, you know, and, um, and so that really, is, is such a big, you know, motivation and gives me hope. And I also, I see change happen. I see students, for example, calling out, more and more calling out racism, where they never did before. And I see sanctions being placed, where, you know, staff have the confidence to place sanctions, again, where they wouldn't have before. We didn't have those clear guidance. And I, and I see students taking ownership for their actions and their words and, and seeing what accountability looks like, but also in a very compassionate way because I see education working and students learning about why certain words and jokes and accents are wrong and us not shying away from these conversations for fear of what we might inadvertently say, you know, it's, it's having these conversations head on um, has been really, really important and it's I love being a part of that. And, you know, ultimately my boys, they are going to grow up in a prejudiced world. So, you know, I know I'm not going to, you know, that, that's just the way things are. And I'm, you know, but that if I can do things to better their path or the students, any of their students, you know, in, in my school or any schools, if I can do anything to change that, it's, it's just so worth it. So that's kind of what keeps me motivated and what gives me hope. and gives me joy and yeah all those things
3: thank you so much Priya for being on our show um
2: thank you for having uh, me
3: you're welcome you're you're, honestly and you know you're welcome back any any time in the future because I think there's a lot more conversation that needs to happen around this um so that's the end of our conversation and interview with Priya um and we'll be back after see you in a moment It's
4: time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio.
3: So, um welcome back guys. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation we really did, didn't we?
1: Absolutely.
3: Um and I mean just to just our final thoughts on on the, on that discussion that we had. I mean, from my perspective, I think one of the overriding things that arose was to do with how EDI is actually intrinsically linked to valuing healthy debate mm. and encouraging diverse perspectives to enrich that discussion because if we don't have that discussion how will people ever know mm. Agreed. Any, or be any wiser
1: agreed i i thought about quite a few things about the, the process and you know Priya was really articulate in being able to share what she does, how she does, how she does what she does, um, but also being able to bring it into the classroom and and run those sort of really key affinity groups and so on and so forth, which I thought was was really insightful. And to actually hear that in action, I think that's the key for me is the action. I think actually we, we speak about this quite a bit where we do lots and lots of talking and really lovely ideas and what the ideal would look like, but actually how? How, how are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And what's the impact of that? And every small step, so 1% of progress is 1% of progress. And yes, it may not feel like enough. And, you know, but I think it's, for me, it's, I, I'm almost itching on my on my seat, moving back and forth thinking, yeah, that's great, 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 but, but, but I want, I'm just desperate to get to the point where I feel that the next generation, including our own generation, actually, to feel safe, to feel truly understood not asking you to agree or disagree, to be understood. Um, and I think that's um, a, a key reality that I think hits home for me. And I think, for me, the idea of this wholesome living and learning is what I'm taking away from, from this discussion. Um, so the first thing is actually we have perceptions, and perceptions are realities of that person. And that's also followed by experiences, and those experiences are triggered by emotion. Um, and so that's energy, emotion, and how that, is being directed per person and then shared. Um, so I think it's being really, really clear on how that varies from person to person. And that's why EDI is so difficult. So when we see, and I've been very much part of this uh, myself, where you know I tick and I have been asked and all the rest of it, you know, around tick boxing on EDI and you know, where'd you come from? And you know, this is great for us because it shows that we're being inclusive that the intent I can see, I can un- I understand the intent. What I worry about is when you do surface level things or processes like that without the depth and understanding of the history, of the chronology, of the impact, of the generational impact that it has, we then open ourselves up to masking instead of breaking those concerns that have been had. So I I am really now very, very aware of perception, but also um, experience, but how are are we actually being truly inclusive and diverse and really seeking seeking equity? Um, Or are we putting in some processes that is a small step in a direction but I think what I'm looking for, what we need to be getting better at is looking at the depth, the why, what's the impact, why are we doing this? And are we truly being uh, true to ourselves and the purpose here? Mm. I think kudos
3: to you for bringing up that experience around your daughter, actually, oh, to be honest, because you know what? Uh, nothing is more um nothing is more closer to your heart than when your children go through something, you know, you, you, if you go through it, you manage, but if your child, young child, Mm -hmm. innocent child goes through something, it's, it's, it's kudos to you that you were able to actually take a step back from that experience and just like, and not become a Karen, Mm -hmm. you know, the quote unquote Karen, (laughs) I was talking about that meme. Yeah. You took a step back and you didn't let that tarnish your values that you held and you kind of you lit up the dark path with a very compassionate response so kudos to you for that oh thanks and and do you know what this there's an element of allyship that i that came that arose Mm. in in that discussion as well and one of the overriding kind of elements around allyship is the fact that you know what not everyone has experienced racism, direct or indirect. Yeah. Not everyone has experienced bias or microaggression. But you have experienced someone being kind to you. Mm. You have experienced being heard. You have experienced being listened to, being considered, being mm. spoken to in a considered manner. So knowing what that feels like, surely you'd want to extend that to other people. Agreed. So there's an element of allyship. You can be an ally because you know what it means to be treated well and treated with
1: kindness. And together, when, when treated with kindness um, and acceptance, way, that things like this would, wouldn't need to be such a discussion. Shouldn't have to be a training. Shouldn't have to be a point of discussion in every organization. Okay, so these, these concerns run deep. It's not a nice thing to do. It's really tricky. You know, Priya makes it really clear uh, around how exhausting it can be emotionally, and actually, sometimes it can be really lonely, and it's quite hard to break the complexities down to support and do right, and that could be a very lonely place. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, like I come back, it's twenty twenty three, and we're still talking about things that have happened, and it continues to happen, and and the impact of that continues to to have an impact on our daily lives uh you know professionally and personally and i think you know like you say coming back to this idea of belonging and and if you look at maslow's you know there's that that bottom layer of feeling safe Mm. we haven't quite nailed it yet Mm. and
3: i think that you know there's obviously lots of historical political elements attached to this which you know on um, we're not going to discuss today but we're just looking at i suppose mm-hmm. from a surf from surface level trying to dig slightly deeper oh yeah we just, um yeah. so let's uh so that was that does were our and summarizing of our our, our our thinking behind the edi conversation so krupa let's move on to our
1: usual segments sure du, 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 du. okay <laughs> is <that> our jingle <laughs> all righty so um our my, sort of the wish i knew earlier moment for me for us I think is um language you know and that kept that was a common theme in today's show it's our young people understanding and um having a a script a language vocabulary that they can use safely it's our practitioners feeling that they something doesn't feel right or sound right I'm not quite sure what it is but now they have a, a sort of a small toolkit of of words they could use that they might be able to associate with how they're going and actually that's a real journey in itself um so for me i think that my, my wish i wish i knew earlier was actually having this talking, having this language that i could use to equip but also to challenge to go back and challenge and say are you aware that that that's a microaggression can you see why so it's not to say pointing fingers it's it's very much um language around let me let me help you edge let, let me bring let me bring this to the table to have a discussion about it as adults um without having it to be to be a heavy long-term feeling that one carries
3: mm. yeah i uh, i think language around you know what does gaslighting microaggression bias mm. what's the difference between that and prejudice i think that is a really important point thank you for sharing that krupa so we're going to be ending the show as per usual with a serenity sunday moment um And this actually comes from a post that I saw before, earlier. Uh, It was a a post by Steve Bartlett, and he writes, the truth is external validation will never actually validate you. Validate is an inside, validation is an inside job. Uh, And I know it's easier said than done. um, But when we let someone else define our worth uh, by what we show them, and those people rate you based, those people, they they rate us based on their knowledge and their perspective and their experience. So if if we're kind of insecure and anxious and we're people pleasing and we're letting someone else define us, we're only going to get what they think we're worth. So we need to set our worth we need to value ourselves higher. And when we value ourselves higher, then we won't let some someone else undervalue us mm. or devalue us. And this is a challenge today, uh, more than ever, because there's this element of like putting the expiry date on who we are as people on on our hopes on our goals ourselves, especially as women, we're always pulled in like a multitude of directions. <laughs> and all the while we're constantly feeling like we're not good enough, we're inadequate. Um, and it's because we don't value ourselves. And we're letting someone else or something else value us. Mm. So and it keeps us blocked off from that kind of internal power. And we've spoken about this kind of sense of personal power It blocks us off from that power, and that sense of self agency. So in the words of Elsa, show yourself, step into your power, connect with yourself this summer, look in the mirror, be kind to yourself and no, you're not the finished article, no one is, but don't let that define you and what you're capable of. So friends, that's the end of our show today. We will be leaving you here um, because we are, this is our final show before the summer break, actually, um, and so we'll be taking a short break from the radio show. But we will act, we'll be active on social media, and we'll come back after the summer, uh, and we'll um, speak to you then. So take care.